Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, two headline makers from 2023, Chad Green and Matt Smith. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. A great funny car season for Green and a transitional season for Smith. Big news all around. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. All that, crew chief rumors, and more. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here again with the NHRA Insider Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week as we are transitioning fully into the off-season mode now. We had our last kind of review show just the other day, and we're going to continue that topic, but we're going to do it with drivers now. We have Chad Green coming on this week and Matt Smith, two guys that I'm excited to talk about, maybe for different reasons. For Chad Green, it was a breakout season in Nitro Funny Car that culminated with a victory in Pomona. And for Matt Smith, it was a season that was interesting to say the least. Dedicated himself to the Suzuki program, has a very strong finish in the points, um, but he's going back to the V-Twin world. So we're going to talk about all of that, his season, and the transition back into the V-Twin stuff. Uh, A guy who is um, a racer's racer, and that's what we're going to get into when we go down that road with Matt. And obviously Chad's story is just so fantastic, winning the final race of the season, same day as his son. We'll relive that memory and also talk about a, uh, a real season of growth for that team as crew chief Dan Wilkerson and everybody involved in that Boncote Ford Mustang. There has been news. Uh, obviously, we were off um, to a degree last week because it was Thanksgiving week and the whole world uh, of motorsports, drag racing included, kind of quiets down and, and it's a nice thing. Um, it, the beginning of the week was not so quiet. Uh, so we have officially really entered that uh, part of the season, the off season, where crew chief changes and personnel changes really come to the, f- the forefront. And the big announcement that was made last week came from Cruz Pedragon, who said that uh, Jason Bunker and John Medlin uh, would be taking over the tuning of his uh, Snap-on Nitro Funny Car here in the uh, you know for the 2024 season moving forward that announcement came via social media as so many of them do um but one of the things that's kind of popped up this week and it's it's kind of bubbling you know below the surface to a degree here and and there seems to be some controversy in the background of this agreement and you know nothing has been made public yet but in talking to some of the people involved um i'm not exactly sure what the outcome of this is going to be Meaning that, I'm not exactly sure both of the guys in that announcement will end up being on Cruz's car. Um, I, I I have a some information that says that John Medlin may still have some sort of an agreement with Paul Lee. Um, you know, Paul Lee being a guy who uh, has like multiple master's degrees and stuff is probably not the guy who's going to leave a whole lot of. Um, stones unturned and and things of that nature when he's making agreements with people um but again nothing has come to the surface on this but it is a maybe a brewing story and maybe it's brewing into nothing but that's kind of what it's been uh projected as by some of the folks in the greater brownsburg area is that uh we may not see both of the guys in that announcement actually working on that car and if we do uh, hopefully it's because uh, all the mutual parties have come to an agreement. 
Other news, including the fact that Max Savage has resigned from John Force Racing. Not sure where he plans to land, where he will land, or if he plans to stay in the sport. He has other business interests outside of drag racing. We'll see if he um, takes a break or if he sticks around. There was changes made at Coletta Motorsports. Uh, Kurt Elliott, Jason McCullough, and Ronnie Thompson were released off of Sean Langdon's car. Now, my understanding is that Ronnie Thompson is heading to Josh Hart's team, and that's already kind of been done. Jason McCulloch, my understanding is he is heading back to the Capco team, which would indicate to me that Billy Torrance may be running a more aggressive schedule next year uh, if they're going to add a guy like Jason McCulloch back onto that program and um, you know have him as part of it. It would seem you want to utilize that resource and have him um, working on a race car at a racetrack uh, more frequently than Billy got out this year. It would be great to have Billy out uh, more often next year. And it would add to an already uh, insanely stacked uh, top fuel field, as, as we're going to talk about in a, in a couple of minutes here. Um, and as far as Kurt Elliott goes, a man with his level of experience and tenure, I'm not sure where he will land, but undoubtedly Kurt Elliott will find a place as we are rapidly – as we have in the last couple of years, we have stretched the talent pool very, very thin, and we keep adding cars, and those cars need talent to operate. So there's that whole program that um, is going on as well. In terms of other you know, news around that element of the sport, I'm not um, hearing much more this particular week as I make this show the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Nothing much has bubbled up um, early this week in terms of any more immediate changes. I'm not. Sh- I'm sure there will be over the next couple of weeks, but um, the big main stories are this this potential brewing. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. Confusion situation with with Cruz and. Um, and potentially Paul Lee and John Medlin. I'm not sure how that's going to play out or if it's going to play out or what it's going to bubble up to be. And then on the other side of it, you know, you look at a guy like Ronnie Thompson, the experience he has going over to work with a longtime friend and Ron Douglas. That's a big one. Another big one, Nikki Bonifani has separated from Dell Worsham and will go to Clay Milliken's team to work with Jim Oberhofer. And uh, so he will move to the Rick Weir team. Obviously, Nikki um, uh, – Nikki and Jimmo have a long-standing relationship, a lifelong relationship, really, when it goes back to the sport of drag racing. So if you have your flow chart of crew movements around, those are the biggest ones. Nikki to, Nikki to Clay. And again, this is all my understanding. Okay, None of this stuff, as you know, has been published yet, but this is all my understanding from uh, working my various sources and beats uh, around the sport of drag racing. So Nikki goes to Clay. Ronnie Thompson goes to Josh Hart. Jason McCulloch goes to the Torrance team, uh, Max Savage, I do not know where he will land, if he will land somewhere. Kurt Elliott, apparently also a free agent at this time. Those are the big ones. Um, and there's a lot of crew member shuffling. We know Kaylin has stepped away from uh, Rick Weir Racing, obviously the clutch specialist there. Her uh, journey in drag racing, very well documented via her own social media. It's been fun to watch her come through the ranks, become a very – uh, respected and national event winning clutch specialist on Clay Milliken's car. Her pursuits will carry her to IndyCar. Ultimately, she wants to land in F1. So she will depart drag racing, go to IndyCar, which is, you know, really IndyCar and drag racing. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, the proximity of where everybody's located, Indianapolis, and the fact that there are so many talented mechanics there, a lot of horse trading goes on back and forth. And not necessarily between the teams themselves, but Drag racing crew members will go to IndyCar. IndyCar crew members will migrate over to drag racing. It is two 
different lifestyles, let's say. Number of races is a lot smaller for IndyCar teams, uh, maybe a little less intensive on some of the travel part of it. But that is uh, something that happens with some regularity there, of course, in the greater Indianapolis area. I don't know of anybody else that is on the hot seat, so to speak. Um, I don't know of anybody else that is looking to make any moves at this moment. And that Thanksgiving week is typically, for whatever reason, uh, one of the main mover and shaker weeks when we hear about these these personnel shakeups. Um, the next question always becomes in a situation like uh, with Nikki Bonifani going over to Clay Milliken's team, if this information that I have is accurate, who comes in for Nikki and you know Dell has some very talented people on that team a guy like Matt Bynum um I believe is is you know maybe tenure wise maybe next in line for that uh, car chief style of job we'll find out you know what moves get made there or if another experienced talent is brought in uh to work with that team so it's always uh it's always good this time of the year and and the second wave of this happening to a degree comes after the first of the year um there are some contracts and agreements that will run until November 1st or that will I should say that will run until November X and that will be the you know the the working year uh, other people are on agreements with terms that end at the end of the calendar year so I think we're going to have another lull of quietness here and then we'll go into uh, that early January time frame if any other big moves are going to happen I would assume they'd happen then we're not going to go into a news lull, though. Next week is a PRI show, and, uh, of course, I'll be there with Tony Pedragon, be there with Hannah Rickards, as the three of us will be part of the NHRA on Fox stage. We'll be interviewing uh, people from in and around the sport of drag racing and really in and around the sport, uh, the motorsports world, I should say, as PRI is a gathering that includes every conceivable form of motorsports you can want to be a part of. Also going on that week is going to be a national track operator symposium that is not simply limited to NHRA national event tracks. There are hundreds of track operators in the drag racing world that come to PRI, and there is a series of panel discussions I'm going to be a part of, along with a talented, uh, very talented panels of folks, experts, to talk on all different things, grassroots drag racing, marketing and communication approaches, the business of operating your racetrack, track prep. I mean, every aspect of this sport is being covered and you know it's a great collaboration NHRA is involved with organizing the thing and and again it's open to all racetracks it's not simply limited to NHRA you know national event tracks or simply NHRA sanctioned tracks this is a uh to me great thing positive step unifying step just to get everybody in the same room together it doesn't matter which letters you wear in your chest it matters that as a business and an industry uh we need to be together we need to have each other's best interest in mind we can compete on a business level but we cannot compete to the detriment of the industry and so having this series of meetings uh, having this symposium is going to be really good for that kind of mentality let's get down let's get down to the trenches and compete in business let's not put ourselves or harm our industry in total let's make sure our facilities are the best they can be they service the customers the best they can they get the best spectator and racer um, experience and let the chips fall where they may. So that's all going to be happening next week. Uh, there will be an insider next Tuesday. Uh, I'll be heading out to PRI on Wednesday. So there is also, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm going to be there for it, but I don't know what it is. There is a, um, a news conference coming next Wednesday at Tony Stewart Racing Nitro headquarters in Indianapolis. 
I would uh, I would give you some inkling to what it is if I had a clue, uh, but I can tell you that it's pretty well locked down, and um, I'm going to find out. Well, I'll find out a little bit ahead of you, but um, we'll we'll all be kind of experiencing whatever happens uh, next week in in the same vein. So uh, definitely keep your ears up and your eyes up on what's going on uh, all week at PRI, and of course Tony Stewart, Leah, Matt Hagen, they'll all be part of our PRI stage, including all the drivers. Be breaking a lot of news. We got new top fuel teams coming. And maybe that's the point I want to close this monologue on is the fact that we had 12 top fuel teams this year full-time. Jasmine Salinas is coming. To me, that makes 13. I assume she's running a full season. No real official announcement has been made there. Uh, We have been told that Sean Reed is going to be announcing a full-time effort at PRI, kind of quarterbacked by Rob Wendland. So now we got 14 full-timers. We have been told that Jacob McNeil is going to be coming forward with a full-time effort. That was what Phil Burgess said on the last show. That's 15. And the prospective racers out there that are putting together funding and schedules, you know, Billy Torrance, let's call him a a strong part-timer. Travis Shoemake is out there beating the bushes, trying to put money together for his own program. We can go down the line. Uh, If we are at 15 touring full-time professionals – and we have our typical six to seven, um, you know, half to three-quarter season cars, and then we throw in another six to seven, four to six race cars and a handful of cars that run just a couple of races, uh, we're going to be talking about some pretty awesome stuff over the course of the year in, in Top Fuel Dragster. Nitro Funny Car, you know, we could still use some cars there for sure, but the, the moment right now between Pro Stock and Top Fuel Dragster is insanity. You know, Pro Stock, we're going to be well over 20 cars at every race. That's a, that's a lock. But for Top Fuel, there's going to be a lot of races this this coming season where there's 20 cars there, um, and a lot of races where there's more than 20 cars there. And the U.S. Nationals should be completely off the charts in terms of car count and Top Fuel and everything else. So more to come on that front. But, you know, the rough math right now says in what we know – and what we think we know, we're looking at about 15 full-time cars. 14 at the worst, 15, maybe 16 if some other rumors bubble up to the top of the surface too. So, you know, that, that's that's pretty wild. It has been a long, long time, longer than I've worked for an HRA than we have had um, that type of, uh, of support in a full-time or majority season basis. So, that's what I got for you this week. Some juicy stuff in there. Some of the stuff you might have heard, and I'm guessing some of the stuff you have not. And, you know, as far as the personnel changes, rumors, and, and that kind of stuff, I'm going off good sources. I'm going off what I've heard. I'm going off what what I've been told by people who are kind of on the ground and involved. And so take that for what you will. And we'll see how accurate it all is when it shakes out in the next few weeks. But that is going to lead us into our first guest, a guy who has kept the band together, kept the team together, and has had the best season of his Nitro Funny Car career. Chad Green entered 2023 with the goal of being in the top 10. He ended 2023 landing in the top five. Chad Green, how you doing, man? Great, great. Thanks for having me, Brian. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and and certainly great to talk to you after you've had a couple of weeks to uh, reflect on what was a really special Sunday in Pomona. Have you caught yourself staring at the Wally recently? Uh, not really staring at the Wally so much, but I, I I've watched the replay of the video. I don't know how many times <laughs> I'm wearing that out. That's great, man, and and what a way! I mean, what a way to finish the year. Your son wins an alcohol dragster. You pull it off in funny car. I mean. 
And this was a season that we we're going to get into some of the details, but really this was the perfect way to cap off the year. It really was. I mean, it was a, the, now that it's been a couple weeks and I've had time to really think about it, I just can't think of how it could have been any better. I mean, to uh, go into it, you know, we discussed before, you know, it was a real goal of mine to, to be into get into the top five in points, which we'd f- fallen back from. And, uh, you know, I, I knew Force and J.R. Ty was affirming that's who really my focus was. Yeah. I got past them. I never thought I'd be I'd be battling, you know, my partner Tim, <laughs> all, all right. the way down to the wire for that fifth spot. And you know, to uh, just just to you know, to, after I've thought about it, to to you know, I've been to two other finals and got beat by Jr. and Robert Height, and I, I had to go through them on Sunday to get to the final. And uh, then you know, you know, to be a part of the whole Hagen deal and you know, just having some effect on that. Yeah. Throw that into the mix. And then to, to top it all off with running against, you know, my partner, Tim, in the final, you know, and Daniel going against his dad. And it was, you know, such an awesome run. Yeah. You know, so close. And then, you know, on top of it all, I had one of my best reaction times of the season. So, yeah, <laughs> couldn't get any better. And then, you know, to double up with Hunter. Yeah, no, the, the whole thing was great. Now, you know, your vision in that funny car is very limited, but when Hagen climbed in there with you, <laughs> did you know Did you know what that was when all of a sudden your roof hatch gets torn open at the top end and his big head comes comes cruising into the cockpit? Oh, yeah, I could see him <laughs> through the window coming up to the car as I was pulling up, so I, I, I knew he was coming. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was funny. I mean, we, we were sitting there. I was sitting there in the water box, uh, you know, right before we ran, and they were actually interviewing Matt at the top end, and I was—I could hear his interview over the speaker, and it sounded like you know he, he was a conceding, like a losing <laughs> interview. I mean, right. like, yes. It, it, and I, I, I went—I went over the microphone to my crew, and I said, "Hey, you know, I was just kind of joking around. I said we can go save his ass right now." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was yeah. just really cool. No, it really was, and and you're right. He was kind of given a concession speech, and and I think he was yes. almost he was trying to brace himself up for it, you know, and and uh, you know his expression and everything else is just so great, and of course his his reaction at the top end um, was was really fantastic. When we look it back, it was yeah, really cool. It was really cool, really cool for him to uh, treat me that way, and because you know when it all comes down to it, you know that was just one round we had. We have nothing to do with him winning the championship. He, he he got himself there, but just to be a part of that moment was kind of cool. That was great. And you know, to me, when I look at the season, you know, with the way your car progressed over the course of this year, I think was really interesting. In that, you know, you came out of the gate flying. I mean, you make the first two races, you go to back to back semifinals, um, first round of Pomona, and then you're right back in the semis in in Vegas, and then another three semis in a row, Chicago, Epping, Bristol. But really, over the course of that whole time, we, we watched this car go from like a low 4.0, mid-390s car, and then the 380 started to happen when they needed to, and they just kept coming. So I guess talk a little bit about that, because to me, the car really did evolve over the course of the season. It really did. I mean, we changed some stuff up. Our car was kind of starting to get fast at the end of last year, and Charlotte, too, we ran in the 80s last year, and... We was running really good at the end of the year. Then we changed some stuff up. We we switched heads and different parts on the car. 
So we had to go through kind of a learning curve yeah. during the season to get back to that spot. And, uh, it, I mean, it was so tough all year to, to get to the 80s. And then when we finally got there, it seemed like, yeah, I mean, if we were there, it's, it wasn't just a one-time deal. The car was consistently putting out those numbers. So, yeah, I was really, really excited to, to see all that happen. You make the final in Sonoma, come up a little short against JR, as you mentioned. And and also in Reading, you, you get there against Robert Height. Was there a different feeling for you, like the third one you're in? Was that, was, you know, we've heard guys say over the course of time, like, I kind of knew I was going to win this race at some point. Did it feel that way in Sonoma? Did it feel that way in Reading? Or did it feel that way in Pomona for you? It felt, I, I felt like we had a pretty good shot in Sonoma and Redding I knew we were going to have to really pull something off yeah. you know or, or Hyde was going to have to really screw up or something uh, this race I, I mean I, I knew when, when all the you know the top three guys went out in the second round I said yeah we got really got a chance here and, and I knew it was going to be a tough race against Tim because sure. Tim in the finals, that guy he lets it all hang out. And we <laughs> yes, that. he does. Yes, and and we knew it was going to be tough, so I for sure didn't take that one for granted at all. But I was probably the most relaxed in this last one. I don't know why. Just uh, just the fact of I don't know. It was just yeah. just been a great day so far, and whatever happened, I was going to be good with it. But I, I was really wanting it. And look, and you've been there before at this point too, right? I mean, there's got to be. Yeah. And listen, you've are, obviously you've been a national event winner in pro mod before, so it's not like you've never been in this situation. But you know, to me, that 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 idea of you know third, not even the third time's a charm, but the third time is like okay, like I've learned a little bit of something from these first two, and, and clearly you uncorked one there in the in the final against Tim. So yeah, you wanted it pretty bad. Yeah, I wanted it pretty bad, and it just all worked out for me. Thank goodness. You know, one of the, the sections of the season, you guys hit a rough patch, Topeka, Brainerd, and Indy. You go runner-up to Sonoma, then it's three first-rounders, but then right back to a runner-up in Redding. So I'm wondering, in that span of, of the Topeka-Brainerd-Redding deal, I'm rather the Topeka-Brainerd-Indy deal, was there a mechanical change that got made in the car that you were trying to work through or what? No, no, there yeah. really wasn't. I, and, you know, as I think back, I can't even really – remember exactly yeah. what happened in those races but uh for me i mean it was really more more of a downturn for us we went into the countdown and we went to the final on the first race at maple grove yeah and then the next four races we went out first round and four races in a row and i was like man we just like totally screwed up this countdown after starting out so good yeah and i mean so we really had to have a finish like we did to come to make any comeback and uh yeah, it was. I mean, it's pretty cool. The, the, the six races of the countdown, the first one went to the final, and the last one, and the four middle ones out first round. What makes what makes your team kind of solid? You know, Daniel's a guy we know. Daniel's like up energy guy of all time, and and when things are when things are cranked up, we love catching him on the starting line because he 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 can set low et with his jaw sometimes up there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then you you kind of have on the other side of it, you know, a guy who works real close to him, Dean Marinas, who is like the you know the guy you could probably lob a hand grenade next to him and he wouldn't flinch. He's kind of the cool guy. So do those two personalities offset each other in the right way? They do, as long as with a, a bunch of other guys on our team. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually got a, you know, it's it's a new team for us over the last that we've put together over the last, you know, three years. But I've got a bunch of veteran guys on my team 
a guy by the name of Joe Serena. Sure. I mean, he he's worked for Tim for years, and you know, I've got I've got about three of these guys that used to be on Tim's crew for years, and you know, kind of got burned out, got married, had babies, went went away sure. for a few years, and, uh, and then you know, I come I come along, and and these guys were working on tim's car back you know in 18 and 19 when okay. i was making runs getting my license so i knew these guys and they kind of were ready to get back into it so i kind of got lucky and got got you know two or three of tim's ex you know some of his top guys he's had in the past and to put them with you know daniel and dean it's, it's just been a good mix and we've all gelled as a team so good you know, as a as a guy who operates a, a very significant business that's global in, in bond coat, you know, you understand the the need for you know building a team, putting people together, all that kind of stuff. Do the same rules apply uh, for a race team as they do in a normal business? In terms of, I know it's a more intense environment at the racetrack, but in terms of being successful, do the basic rules of business apply on the personalities of a race team? One hundred percent. I mean. I think that's goes along with life and anything, any sport, any team sport. It, it's the same as a business. I mean, you got to have the right people yeah. in the right positions, and you, you know, just like in business, you got to hire people that's smarter than you <laughs> in a lot of different <laughs> areas. And I mean, you know, all these things these guys do on the car, I can't do. So, sure. uh, yeah, it's so key to have the right people in the right positions and I feel so lucky and fortunate that I've been able to put the team together that I have because it's really difficult these days to do that oh it is it is and you know we're in that time of the that time of the year where you start hearing murmurs and rumors none of which are involving your team which is great but involving you know personnel switches and other teams and other operations and at least from what I'm hearing on the on the radar screen anyway your your operation is pretty stable looking in that regard yeah, I think we're we're pretty stable looking for next year, which I, I'm happy about because that's always a concern, you yeah. know, when you come up to the end of the year. And, and you know, Daniels, he's he's performed so well. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if people be you know ringing his phone. Sure. You know, sure. That, that that's just business that happens. But uh, no, I feel pretty solid where we're at, and I think I mean for my team as a whole to go out with a win like that, it couldn't have been better for the morale of the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to go into the off season like that, you know, it's just awesome. Uh, Hunter, my understanding is, is is on for another year with Randy Meyer next season. Is that accurate? I had heard that uh, pop up in the rumor mill. Yes, yes, that is accurate. Uh, we're, we're still trying to decide, you know, what all races he's yeah. going to do and how, how many. Uh, I don't think it'll be a full season. Probably something about like he did this year. Sure. Well, that worked out pretty good for him with a couple of uh, couple of national event wins. So that's that's that sounds like a pretty good plan to me. Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, Hunter definitely has aspirations to step up to top fuel. But you know, it's one of those things. You know, we're looking for money and sure. partners and, and stuff like that. And you know, until that that can happen one of these days, that's the best place for him to be and to be with Randy. I mean, Randy's been such a good teacher and so instrumental in Hunter's progress coming along and yeah it's just been a good fit yeah no it's a I mean that class uh, has become just a breeding ground for talent I mean it's you know we look at some categories and you know we look at some categories alcohol funny car still needs you know still needs help and we got some injected cars coming but you look at top alcohol dragster and to me you know beyond the performance of the cars the lessons that those young racers are learning over there I mean when you got 24 of these things showing up 
uh, there is not a mistake that can be made in any qualifying session. You got to be perfect all at all times, and I think that's a valuable lesson that guys like Hunter are learning, and some of the younger racers that they'll carry forward with them. Oh, definitely, definitely. No, it's it's big, a great class for him to compete in, and like you said, it's ultra competitive. I mean, there's so many good good young drivers out there competing in it. So one last question before I let you go, and and what is kind of the off season routine for for the guys, for the crew, even for yourself? I mean, is it is it business as usual? They get the car serviced, they get all the parts freshened up, and check in new clutch disc. Is that kind of how it goes? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much business as usual. I mean, we we got some other things that we've got to do during the off season. You know, uh, w- one of our car our our second car i think it needs front half so we okay. got to get that we, we've got new bodies in the works that we're working on and and you know we we start the process of starting to order all our parts for next year and starting to get that that going so yeah i mean there's still a lot of work to be done in the off season there's there's not a lot of time off for me it's you know i get a little bit of break from from racing and but at the same time you know i gotta take <laughs> this time to to focus on barcode and my yeah. business here i think i might have to make a trip overseas in january so and, and it's a short off season i mean especially with the superstar shootout yes. coming at the start of february so i mean it, it's yeah we don't have a lot of time to get everything ready to get going so yeah it's, it's balls to the wall well enjoy whatever time you do have and uh, certainly it's it's been a really fun thing to watch the progress you've made as a funny car racer and certainly uh the success you experienced this season to close it out was was fantastic and again merry christmas to you and your family have a great off season and uh we'll see you uh, very shortly in the spring all right thanks a lot brian merry christmas happy new year all that to you and see you see you at pri He is Chad Green, and we will be hanging out at PRI in about a week. You'll see him on the NHRA stage if you watch us live on NHRA.com. I'll be back with more right after this. And I am back now with my second guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider, a guy who finished fourth in the points of Pro Stock Motorcycle, but it certainly wasn't for lack of effort, Matt Smith. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. I want to to talk about a bunch of stuff here, and first off, I want to talk about the lessons that Matt Smith took from the 2023 season. Obviously, it was not a – this is a season the majority of the people in this class would, would kill to have. You win big races. You finish top five in the points. It just wasn't exactly the Matt Smith season that we've come to expect. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I kind of joke around with people, and I tell them, I said, look, we were the second winningest driver this year. <laughs> you um, were. You know, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we won the U.S. Nationals, yep. and, you know, but – all in all, this Denzo Suzuki that we rode this year, just we never could get a, a, a good handle on it. Yeah. We were fast at times, and then we were slow at times. So we just never got it dialed in like we needed to, and a lot of it was just you know not being able to get parts like we needed to be able to go test and, sure. and try to figure the thing out right. Yeah, and look, I, I think it is, if you understand drag racing and understand how, even the remotely the mechanical side of this thing, it's almost a miracle you finish where you did. You know, let's take let's take the guy who finished the championship out of the equation. You still this would have been a top three performance on a motorcycle that you had really limited time to get lined up before the season began. Exactly. You know, we got the new Hayabusa body. Uh, I think the fourth race into the season. Um, so that was a brand new bike that we started learning on, and just you know, we just. We were behind eight ball from the word go uh, with not getting parts and pieces like we needed. And, you know, when we run our V-Twin program, we test more 
then we raced during the season. Yeah. And this year we just, I think we had four test sessions, maybe five at the most. And you just, you just, you just can't learn anything, especially when you're trying to do something from scratch like we did. And, you know, um, I can't blame anybody but myself for taking on the project. Yeah. Um, you know, and I took it on. I, I thought I could do it. And, and we got good power. We ran good at times, but we just ran out of parts. And, and that was the big, big problem that we had. Can you, and, and I realize you hold yourself to a championship standard. You've won like close to a half dozen of these things. So can you still look at a season like this in the context of what it was as a success? Can you still pull lessons out of this thing to carry forward for 24 and not be, you know, totally dejected about it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, besides, you know, the, the dismal uh, season I feel like we had, we've made huge gains with the Scrappers team and Gianna's progress of, teaching her how to ride a bike better, uh, her listening. She uh, went over 200 mile an hour this year. She set her career best ET, and she finished fifth in points. So, I mean, how can how can it be a bad season when you teach new people things like that? I mean, yeah. throw my side, of, my, my side of the race in a way, just teaching somebody like that uh, was a big success for, for me. And look, it was overshadowed after what happened in St. Louis. But Angie was Angie was on track to have probably her best success, her most successful season uh, of all as well. I mean, consistently that bike was going rounds every single weekend. Uh, she was hanging in there for a very strong points position, and obviously, you know, her being able to get back on that thing for the last couple of races was was astonishing to all of us. But before St. Louis, she also was having a, basically a career season. Yeah, I mean, you know, she, she didn't win any races, you know, this year, but she was running really good, um, very consistent bike. We were getting the bike dialed in better. And, uh, you know, at the time of her crash, she was fifth in points. So if I look at the big picture, uh, we probably would have finished fourth, fifth, and sixth with the three bikes. Yeah. And that's not a bad season no. um, with two wins, but, you know, we're used to finishing first, second, yes. you know. And, <laughs> right. and like last year, we finished first and uh, third, you know, and yeah. she finished third. So, uh all in all, uh, lessons learned, we'll take away, and we're going to come back hard this year, coming up. So, obviously, you know, you publicly said you're going back on a V-Twin. We know that for next year. How important was it to not only have Angie's bike out there, but to have the, the really for the last, I guess, countdown races, to have two of them out there? It would seem to me having Angie's motorcycle on the racetrack every race keeps you at least – uh, moving in the direction you need as far as developing the program. Like, I don't think you fell behind. Do you feel like you're on pace to be where you need to be to start the year, or are you a lap down on the V-Twin side? No, I don't think we're a lap down at all. If you look at it, the brand-new bike that we built uh, over the winter last year, um, I ran at the very first race of the year at Gainesville, or at test session at Gainesville, and I went 669 on it. Yeah. And, you know, I parked that bike, and – I let Chip come out and ride it some, and, and when he ran, come out, he ran fast. He, right. he goes to second, Chicago um, Yeah, yeah, goes to Chicago, and and he went to the finals at Reading when we brought him back out, and you know we were just learning. That was some of our new stuff, and yeah. we were in the process of learning some new stuff. And all in all, I think when you look at the big big picture, yes, Angie wrecked that bike, but we learned a lot and had a, yeah. a lot of R and D stuff. And right now, we're building four of those bikes just like that right now. So, a uh, big season for the winter for us, uh, building some new stuff. And um, currently, right now, I just got off a flight, and I'm headed to SNS where we put an order in for a little over $200,000 worth of parts and pieces oh, wow. from them. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's full board. We're, we're going 
uh, pretty deep in this with our team and Scrapper's team, you know, because Jana is, is going to the V-Twin program also. So big learning curve for her next year. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty great. If, if you had gone with all the bikes being Suzuki for 2023, this would be a bit of a different situation for you, right, trying to come back over to the V-Twin side of it? If the, if the whole if if everybody had been on the V twin stuff, I mean, if everybody had been on the Suzuki stuff, it, it would not. It, you would be in a, a probably a less a less good position than you are now. In my guess, I, I think so. You know, I look at I look at when I ran out of parts uh, at the St. Louis race, yeah. and I had I had to call I had to call Suzuki yesterday. You know, you got to work with me because I have no more parts. Uh, the the competitors that we race with. I didn't have any more And I said, look, I said, I can't run St. Louis, and I have to fulfill my obligation with Benzo yes. and my other sponsors. So I said, you need to grant me uh, this one race to bring out my yeah. bike from last year to, to complete my sponsorship obligation with other people. And they did. They were very good. They allowed me to do that. Yeah. And we, we didn't even crank that bike up since Pomona. That's, that's the God's honest truth. Same motor in it, same everything from Pomona last year. <laughs> and that bike went out there first hit and qualified second. So, wow. yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think that we're behind. I yeah. think we're in a good spot. And I think we we have some new parts that we had, had made um, during the season for the V-Twin stuff that we really never got to test. And, you know, we'll be testing them on the dyno and, and this offseason. And I think we'll be probably, a, probably a, a more potential threat than what people think we'll be. And, you know, you're never shy in your opinions, which is one of the things I respect about you, and, and you're a racer's racer, which is what a lot of people respect about you. And so when we look at what what the, the V-Twin combination is going to bring to the table in 24 to start the season versus what we know the Suzuki combination has in the tank from what we saw over the course of 23 – what do you need? Do you need weight? Are you at the right weight? Do you want some weight on the Suzuki? Do you want less weight where you're at? I mean, the natural racer reaction is obviously, sure, give them more and give me less. But when you look at the way that the combinations are sitting now, how close do you think they are in terms of being actually paired? Yeah, I don't, I don't, think, the, I don't think the weight is the, what, we, what NHRA needs to do. I think they, you know, bikes getting over 640 pounds is getting pretty iffy. Yeah. Uh, especially some of the short tracks to stop at. I think what they need to do is take, uh, you know, the cubic inch away from the Vance and Hines, you know, Suzuki motors. Um, I told Andrew Hines when I saw that head the first time, I said, this is way far superior ahead than what, you know, the, the bucket monster head is. And, you know, it just, and it's showing because they've, they've done so yeah. much development and so much stuff with it that they just, NHRA just gave that platform way too much, and, you know, um, they just going to reel them in, you know. I think ultimately they probably need to take uh, 100 cc's away from them, and then if they can't run fast, then, then knock the weight back off of them. But I think the weight is a Band-Aid through the, through the year. So over the winter, I think NHRA needs to really hit them hard because what they found this year on it, they're going to find equal of that over the winter because they're not racing. And, and you know, like I said, it's such a new platform that it's only two years, three years old right now. And right. There's a lot, lot of improvement there that you can do. And so, and that makes sense. I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at it on the face of it, during the middle of a season, if I'm going to make a cubic inch displacement change, that's going to be a that's going to be a hardship for the teams. But in the off season, when everybody's motors apart, you're really talking about a set of pistons and sleeves at that point, right? Yeah, or they can do it with crankshaft, you know. And, yeah. and, and that's the problem is. 
the crankshafts in, in the Suzuki's because there's only one manufacturer, and that's Vance and Hines. Okay. So for every Suzuki drag bike out there that runs pro-stop motorcycle, Vance and Hines is the only people that make a crankshaft for them. Wow. So when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, it's just not pro-stop bike in the U.S. It's Europe. It's Australia. It's everywhere. Vance and Hines is the only one that builds those cranks. So uh, they just, they've got to get more machinery. they got to get more personnel in their shop to build crankshafts, build better crankshafts for, for everybody. Um, and, and that's what needs to happen, you know, to make the Suzuki platform better, you know, for, for everybody else, just not for their team. Because when you look at it, I was out of parts with crankshafts, but their team was never out of parts. And, and I understand they're going to take care of their own self before they take care of, you know, other customers. Yeah. And look, I, I, I can understand that as well. I mean, the, uh, with the old saying, the cobbler's kid's the last one to get his shoes made <laughs> type of thing. I guess, I guess the same thing goes for the crankshaft, uh, the crankshaft side of things. Um, where is the growth potential on the V twin side in your opinion? When, when you're looking and meeting up with SNS and talking to those guys in general terms, where do you think after having a year to really lock in on, on nothing but that, uh, where do you think you can, you can make improvements at? Uh, well, we, what we really got to make improvements on is our, our 60 foot, you know, area. That's, that's where we're lacking right now. Uh, the V twins are, are way harder to 60 foot than the Suzuki bikes. I know I didn't, I didn't 60 foot good with the Suzuki bike, you know, all year long. We were getting close, but that's where we really took the focus with Chip and Joey riding the bikes at the end of the year was working on a new clutch setup for the V twin program. And we got it really good. We got it close with Joey. We were going yes. 105s and 106 with it. So if I can do that consistently every time uh, with the power that we have, I think we'll be pretty close if NHRA pulls, you know, gauge back a little bit. Um, but we'll just have to see. I mean, ultimately, it's up to NHRA to keep parity in our class. I mean, it, it's, it's a hard part on their program to do that. We have five or six different combinations out there. Uh, it's no different pro mod. You know, they just right. they got their hands full doing it. But you know, ultimately, you know, I don't need to be bouncing back and forth like I did the previous year of a Suzuki to V twin. Yes. Is if if NHRA will just keep their job and and keep parity in the class, I won't need to do that. You know, I, and and that was an interesting thing. I mean, it was that was one of the neatest things in terms of a racer deal that I think I've seen in a long time. When you were, you know, hey, you you, you were pulling whatever weapon was the right weapon to use in that moment. You were pulling that one out. The second thing that I thought. And this may be in a, in the singular moment of the season. It was something that so many people missed, but was probably the single most brilliant thing I saw all year long. Was the run that Joey Gladstone made that gave you guys a full slate of data and also did not reveal the elapsed time that the motorcycle ran. It was next level freaking brilliant. I remember Tony and I like smashing our hands off the table, just loving every second of that. What was the discussion before he made that run and and? If you want to describe it briefly to the audience, it's so cool. I, I thought it was the smartest thing you guys did all year. Well, you know, we Joey couldn't put his hands on it, you know, because we were only running that bike eighth mile. I just wanted to – we were working on 60 foots and just seeing how the tune-up was at eighth mile, but I had no data for the quarter. So I, I tell Joey, I go up there for Q4, I said, hey, I said, what I want you to do is stage the bike. When the tree comes down, you back out of the beam all the way out of both bulbs – floor it and go and he's like but you want me to go all the way down i said yeah go all the way down he goes well well then i'm going to qualify like second or third probably i'm like no you're not because the trees will activate and he's like 
but but yeah, but I'm not leaving. I'm like Joey, just trust me, it's gonna work. And he still took even after the pass, he's like, I still don't understand how 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 that worked. I'm like, that's why I'm the crew chief and you're a rider, Joey. <laughs> but it did everything we want to do because you know ultimately I know where we were at with 60 foot time. So yeah. if it told if it told me he had a a, a 240 60 foot because he backed out of the beams. I subtract the 105 or 106 yeah. where I was at, and then I subtract all those numbers by that going down the track, and I know exactly where our last time was. So I knew that we had a good shot when we did that to run Hector at Dallas, and I, or Kelly at Dallas, yeah. and I'm like, you can load her up, and that's exactly what he did. And, you know, so I knew where we were at, and it, it all worked good, and, you know, I wouldn't say it was a brilliant scheme, but it was just a uh, – it was another card that I had in my deck that I played. Yeah, no, and to me it was just it, – it, it shows, you know, one of the things people can – people cannot agree with your opinions on certain things and people can say whatever they want to say. But it was – to me it was one of those moments where it's like this is racer stuff. Like this is racer stuff. And I'm – there are other guys in that class that are very smart, but I guarantee you nobody woke up that morning with that idea, let alone – and like you said, Gladstone was still thinking it was next-level algebra by the time he got done with the run. I just thought it was a really cool, smart thing that um, that once again kind of shows your intensity and, and how you approach this thing on, on a couple different levels. I thought it was cool. Yeah, and, and I did that. You know, even going back to the first race of the countdown – I knew that Gage had the best bike out there. And I knew that well, nobody going win this championship unless we played cards that we started. And I, I, I was dead honest. Yeah. We're bringing a blocker bike out. We're yeah. going to try to catch him first round. And that's what we're going to do. And if we can't do that, then nobody's going to win this championship. I was the only one that would play that card to try to yep. – if I couldn't win it, somebody else, I wanted somebody else to try to win it maybe. Yeah. But ultimately, Gage still had the better bike of everybody. And, you know, I was the points. I was the only other points leader through the year uh, besides Gage. So we did what we wanted to do. We just didn't have our Suzuki at a good enough yeah. place to continue that through that sixth race in the countdown. Now, if I'd have been on my V-twin, I think maybe it could have been a little different. You know, I think if I would have had the Chip Ellis bike and the yeah. Joe bike that ran, there might have been a, a, a totally different thing out there last year. You know, I, I might could have won the championship again. But I definitely I think we could have been second. So, ultimately, I think we'll be in a good spot next year as, as long as, you know, NHRE, you know, slows the that Suzuki down a little bit and gives everybody a chance. I mean, you look at the previous year, I think we had seven different winners. Yeah. And, and that's what we need to have. We need to have it where everybody has a shot of winning. This year, you didn't have a shot of winning unless Gage either broke or he made a mistake. That's a fact. The very last question I'm going to ask you before I let you go is this. For a guy that's won the number of championships that you have had, have won and the amount of success you've had, is a year like 2023, I'm not going to say is it good for you, but is it the type of thing that reminds you that – you know that that you're going to have to bear down the next year. Is it is it a little bit of a remotivation for Matt Smith? Absolutely, it's it's made me hungry. Um, I think that it's no different your your football team going undefeated all the way to the playoffs and losing the first game of the playoffs. And it's like, <laughs> why why did we do that? They 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 need to lose a game in the playoffs to go or in the regular season yeah. to go. Hey, we can be beat. Yeah. So now we got to step it up. Yep. And that's what this done. This this showed me that. Vance and Hines got everything they needed from NHRA to build the new cylinder head, the new bodywork, all the new new cases, all that stuff. 
And now, us as competitors, we've got to go to work more, and NHRA needs to pull those back, those guys back a little bit, so everybody has a chance of winning again. And I'm hungry. I'm going after next year. Like I said, we are full bore, uh, 150% all in for next year. And then uh, this is literally it because I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, how's Angie doing and how's she coming along? Angie's doing great, uh, healing up good. The boots are off. She went to the doctor, so she is now out of the boots. Still has to be very careful with her toes for the next couple weeks. But ultimately, uh, when it's all said and done, come January 1st, she'll be ready to get on that bike and make quarter-mile passes. Matt Smith, thank you very much for taking some time out of your cruise to SNS. Good luck with the quest for horsepower this offseason, and I look forward to uh, I look forward to what's going to be a real entertaining year in 2024. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Matt Smith will be at PRI in just a couple of weeks. So will we with the NHRA. Make sure you tune in to NHRA.com and hear all about it. Also, we'll be back right after this with some final thoughts. All right, we are back here. Our final thoughts on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great show. Chad Green, you know, bringing that energy and talking about kind of everything the season led up to for that team. And, you know, just uh, just a cool guy. Cool guy from Midland, Texas, certainly doing what he has uh, wanted to do for so long. A top five finish in the world of Nitro Funny Car Racing and a stable team that will come back intact for the next season. For Matt Smith, I was hoping to get everything I got out of that conversation, as I'm hoping you were as well, to find out the motivations that will drive Matt Smith into 2024, the motivations that put him back on a V-twin motorcycle, some of the travails he had on the Suzuki, and some of his very candid thoughts on what he feels like needs to be done to match the parity of the motorcycles in the class and category. Like I said when I was talking to Matt, you can disagree with his opinions, you can sometimes maybe disagree with his, his approach, but you cannot disagree with the fact that the dude is a hardcore racer who does hardcore racer stuff, sometimes on a level that people in his own class or on his own team don't even understand. I talked at the very beginning of the show about the movement that has already occurred in the world of the crew chief realm. That is going to keep happening over the next couple of days, certainly over the next couple of weeks. I'll keep you posted on anything I hear now for the next show, which will be happening on Tuesday of next week. Well, as always, thanks for listening or watching to the NHRA Insider Podcast. We're going to have a great time at PRI next week. But before we go to PRI, there will be another insider with more drivers and more insight, maybe a couple of crew chiefs on as well to talk about what we should be looking for in 2024. And maybe we can catch up with a team who is going to go testing in Indianapolis this week where the weather forecast is in the 40-degree range. How's that going to work? Your guess is as good as mine. I'll give you a full report next week. I'm Brian Loans. Thanks, as always, for watching. Thanks, as always, for listening. And I'll see you next week.